Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your favorite actor, farmers, or your principal. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. We love answering your questions, so please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump, or email us at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org. We'd love to hear from you. We would love it if you followed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. When you like and follow our podcast, more people can find us. Okay, here's my exciting top of the pod question. Are you ready for it, Liz? I'm so ready. If you had a robot friend, what cool things could it do? Um, well, it's winter time here right now while we're recording this. So I would say like shovel the driveway or drive me places. Like sometimes you want to get out, but you're like, gosh, I just don't want to drive because the roads are crummy or whatever. So I would say I would really like the robot friend to drive me places. <laughs> How about you? That's, that sounds uh, good, but I think I would be scared that my robot friend wouldn't know what to do if it got slippery. It's a but robot. Super yeah, smart. That's true. That's true. I would want my robot friend to clean my bathroom, oh, first yeah, of all. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And uh, make me dinner. Oh. What? Yeah. Would it make you microchips? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Uh, maybe yes yes it would and they'd be delicious they would I thought that was a really fun question and great. so if you uh have an idea of what your robot friend could do send us an email and tell yeah. us what your robot friend would do I'd love to hear about it yeah I have a question today from a listener you do I do let's go it's a very exciting one Okay. And it is from Nevaeh at the Wyoming branch. And Nevaeh asks, what do you tell actors before a show? Oh, like, mm. like on stage? You well, know, like- yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just in case that Nevaeh said this as just a stumper, you can tell them whatever you like, <laughs> anything you like. Okay. All right. <laughs> but traditionally, what people tell actors before a show is, Break a leg. Break a leg. I've heard that before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know anything about the English language and you heard someone tell someone else, break a leg, Mm -hmm. you might think they're wishing somebody ill will. Oh, yeah. That's true. The phrase break a leg is called an idiom. So here's our first vocab. I have a couple of vocab terms in this. I love vocabulary, Jill. It's good. It's good. (laughs) People use idioms in everyday language all the time. An idiom is an expression that means something totally different from the meanings of the words. When you say break a leg to an actor, you're not meaning literally their leg bone breaks. (laughs) You mean good luck. Okay, you ready for a quiz? It's been a while, Already? Liz. Gosh, yeah. we just started. Okay. I know. It's yep. an idiom quiz. And I hope I'm giving you easy ones. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to say the idiom, and you are going to say what it means to us. Okay. okay. Yep. I'm not prepared. Just okay. FYI. Okay. Yep. This is a, we're just throwing this at you. It's been a while, so I think it was time. Okay. okay. Hit the hay. Oh, go to bed. Yeah, there you go. Pull someone's leg. Pull oh. your leg. Like you're just joking. Yeah, tease someone. Okay, this, how about throwing the towel? Ugh, you're done. You quit. Yep, yep. Okay, the last one, a sweet tooth. Oh, 
just means you like candy and ice cream and whatnot. You like sweet things. Exactly. Good job, Liz. Oh, you I did aced it. it. Oh, I feel better now. <laughs> that last one is so common, it's hard to even remember that it's actually an idiom. Right. Because our teeth aren't actually sweet. <laughs> they, we just means we like, we like candy. Mm-hmm. I definitely have a sweet tooth. Yeah. So far, we know what you tell an actor, what that means, and what an idiom is. But I have more. Of course. <laughs> Next, we're going to answer the questions, why do actors say break a leg? Wouldn't it more make more sense to say, you can do it, or good luck, or you got this? Remember your lines. Uh, remember your lines. <laughs> that would make more sense. Yeah. But we say break a leg. Theaters historically have many superstitions Here's our second vocab word of the day, uh-huh. superstitions. Yep. A superstition is a belief in something that is irrational or does not follow the rules of science. People have all kinds of superstitions, and sometimes you don't even know that you have a superstition until you start looking. Maybe you've heard of baseball players who wear the same pair of socks until they lose a game. Oh, gross. I know. <laughs> that is gross. Or they don't cut their beard for the whole season because it's lucky. These are beliefs that can't be backed up by science. They're not really rational. Your socks don't matter, but we believe them anyway. Mm-hmm. We usually know that they don't make a difference, and we typically like to believe in them because it's fun. Sure. Um, Makes you feel better about whatever is happening. It does. I, I have. I, I don't really even think about this as a superstition, but every Friday I do story time, and I come into the back room, and I sing my Welcome to Storytime song to all of my staff members. Now, partially it's just to irritate them because that's fun, and partially it's like, I won't have a good story time if I don't start that way. Okay. Yeah, so I guess that's a little bit of a superstition. So I theaters have a, super, have a superstition that saying good luck before a performance is actually bad luck for the actor. So instead of saying good luck, they say break a leg. There are a few other theater superstitions that I'm going to share now, but I'm, I won't quiz you with this one. Liz. I'll just tell you. <laughs> okay. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Theaters have more superstitions than a lot of places. Maybe sports is the only equivalent. Theaters are very superstitious places. They have a superstition that if they have a bad show on their dress rehearsal night, that they are going to have a great opening show. But if they have a good dress rehearsal, then they're worried about their opening show. Whistling backstage is considered bad luck. Didn't know that. Yeah, don't do it. Don't whistle backstage. And finally, never give a performer flowers before the show. You have to wait till after the show so you don't jinx them. Okay. I'll remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Superstitions are really interesting, and I actually would like to talk way more about superstitions, but don't have time. So if you have more questions about superstitions, send them in because they're fun. They're interesting to look at. So I want to talk more about break a leg. We have one more question to talk about. Where did this phrase break a leg come from? So we know what it means and we know why they say it in the theater. It's very superstitious. But where did this phrase ever come from? So like so many things we talk about here, I don't have a for sure answer. And this time it isn't because scientists are researching and they're not really sure what the answer is. It's because it's a historical question. And sometimes things, when they're back in history, we're not totally sure. So I have a pretty good answer that many sources say, this is probably where this came from. And then there's some other potential, but I'm going to go with this main one. Most sources reference this as the origin of the phrase, including a scholarly article that I actually did not link here because 
It's not an easy read. It was very difficult to read. I did read it. And it's behind a paywall. Usually you have to pay for scholarly articles. And when I link a scholarly article that I read from our library's website, you can read it too because the library subscribes to journals that everyone can enjoy. So this article that I read was not from a journal that our library subscribes to. So you can't read it unless you pay for it. So don't, don't do that. I'll just tell you about it. Okay. Break a leg. In German, there is a phrase, it is Hals und Beinbruch, and it directly translates to neck and leg break. Hals und Beinbruch, I practice that a lot. It sounded very natural. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, I want you to picture the end of a show with me. And this is a show that happened a long time ago, so it's not a modern show. We're going to imagine the bow at the end. All of the actors are wearing old-fashioned clothes and they're doing an old-fashioned bow. With this old-fashioned bow, one leg is going to be completely tucked behind your body and your head is bent very low. When you are out in the audience and you look up at the actor who's bent all over like this, it looks like your leg and your neck are broken. broken. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so maybe break a leg started out as a literal phrase that meant take a deep bow at the end of your show. Okay. Yeah, so there you have it, Liz. I think you're ready to share a fact of the day with us, so break a leg. (laughs) Gee, thanks. Actually, Jill, I have two (gasps) facts of the day. They're from the the same book called Weird, Wild, Amazing, Exploring the Incredible World of Animals by Tim Flannery. And this is in our junior nonfiction section. So my facts from this book are about giraffes. Oh, that's amazing. I love a giraffe. When you ask someone, or I could ask you, Jill, what sound a giraffe makes, chances are they have to stop and think about it. Giraffes aren't known for being particularly noisy, but that doesn't mean they're silent. They moo when they're in distress and grunt or snort if startled. Plus, they spend a solid chunk of their evenings humming. It's thought that the humming is a way of communicating with each other, but its purpose is still a bit of a mystery to scientists. So, we know giraffes hum, but what about getting a solid night's sleep. It's not high on the to-do list for giraffes. They generally only lie down to sleep for about 10 minutes per night, with a few five-minute naps sprinkled throughout the day. They don't even bother to lie down for those naps. It takes a lot of effort for such a gangly animal to lie down and then get back up. Instead, they nod off standing up, and they do it with their eyes open, too. So those are two facts about giraffes. The humming, they can sleep with their eyes open. Who knew? Uh, I I knew about the sleeping because do you remember I did a, I answered a question about giraffes and their long necks. Oh, sure. But I did not know about the sounds and that is weird. (laughs) I just would have said, oh, they don't make noise, right? They don't make noise, you know, say cow moos or cat meows, but a giraffe... Hums. Hums. Now you know. The more you know, Jill. That's great. I'm oh fascinated by that fact. Thanks. Well, are you ready for another question? Yes, I am ready. Okay, I'm ready too. Here we go. This question comes from Malcolm, who is eight years old from Ada. And Malcolm wonders whether cows are the only animals that have more than one stomach. 
And he also wrote, I have a little question box in the children's section at the Ada Library. I wish I had a pizza stomach. A pizza stomach. A separate stomach for your pizza. Right. What about you, Jill? If you could have a separate stomach, what would it be for? It would be for ice cream. Oh, I thought you were going to say chocolate. That's what I had in my That's Chocolate is delicious, but I'm picturing ice ice cream cream with chocolate in it. Okay. I think mine would be like bread. Oh, bread stomach. That makes sense. I could just eat bread. Okay. Because you can always fit it. You can always fit in ice cream, but you can't always fit in bread. There is always room for ice cream. That's a, a rule in my house. <laughs> okay, before we talk about cows and their stomachs, here's another fun fact for you. Did you know every continent except for one raise cattle, cows? Which one is it? Antarctica? Of course, Antarctica. Too but, cold there for them. Too cold. But let's get the facts straight about cows. They don't have multiple stomachs, but a cow's stomach has four chambers. The rumen, oh, here we go with our uh, vocabulary. The rumen, the reticulum, the omasum, and the abomasum. I think I said that right. If I didn't, let me know. Each, each chamber has a different function for helping cows digest their food, which is mostly hay, grain, and food byproducts. So like potato peels or leftovers, that kind of thing. Cows eat 25 pounds of food each day and drink 30 gallons of water for one cow. Oh, wow. They spend a lot of time chewing cud or ruminating, which means they eat, they swallow, then (laughs) regurgitate some of the food, and they chew it again. The process helps them get all of the nutrients they can out of the food they eat. Now, I've heard people say they're going to ruminate on something, like they're going to think about it a little longer, but ruminating is chewing, swallowing, regurgitating, and chewing again. So I don't think I'm going to use that phrase anymore. (laughs) Cows are ruminants. That's what they're called. They're just like sheep and other cattle, goats, deer, giraffe, and llamas. They're all called ruminant animals, which means they have four-chambered stomachs. There are animals with three-chambered stomachs called pseudo-ruminants, and those are horse, hippo, one-horned rhinos, and rabbits. That means they digest similarly to cows, but they don't ruminate. They don't chew and swallow and spit it back up again. So they're called pseudo-ruminants. Another interesting animal that has more than one stomach chamber are ostrich. They actually have three stomach chambers as well. And an unusually long intestine, which requires 36 hours to digest the food they eat. Whoa. That's a really long time. Yeah, it is. Ostriches are really fascinating because they are omnivorous. So they eat meat and plants, but they don't have teeth. So... They eat vegetation, but also little rodents and even snakes. So how do they digest all of that without chewing it first? It might sound surprising, but they also ingest rocks. Ostriches have been known to carry over two pounds of stones in the chamber called their ventriculus, which helps them break down and digest the food they eat. There's a common misconception that ostriches bury their head in the sand to hide But actually, they stick their head in the sand to pick up 
dirt that has the stones in it that oh. they need to digest their food. Okay. So all birds have what's called a gizzard to aid in digestion using small stones to grind food, but not all of them carry two pounds worth of stones inside their bodies. That's a lot. Yes, it is. <laughs> There's another non-bird that utilizes a kind of a gizzard to help digest food, and it's the alligator. Why do they need a gizzard when they have all of those teeth? Alligator stomachs have two chambers, and the first one has gastroliths, which are those small stomach rocks, because sometimes alligators don't chew. They just swallow their food whole, oh. or they take really big bites. If you think about how an alligator eats, they kind of take a big chompy bites of things, yeah. but they don't chew it like we would chew. Um, the first stomach chamber will break down their meal so it can move along to the second chamber that's very acidic to break down the food even more. Both chambers work hard to get the nutrients from the meal and keep the alligator healthy. Once I started researching animals with multiple stomach chambers, not multiple stomachs, the more I found having two to four stomach chambers or compartments is pretty typical in animals. But one animal kept popping up as having way more than average. Do you know what type of animal has been found to have 13 or more stomach chambers? It's a really big animal. Okay. Do you have a, a guess? Whale? Oh, yeah. It's the Baird's beak whale. Okay. A beaked whale kind of looks like a really big bottlenose dolphin. They live in very deep water, specifically in the northern Pacific Ocean. A biologist studying them found most specimens had two main stomach chambers in the beginning of their digestive system and two more called pyloric stomachs and then seven to ten compartments in the middle. Wow. They feed on octopus, squid, and other deep-sea fishes. So naturally, scientists are unclear as to why they have so many stomach compartments when other ocean animals that eat the same things don't. They're pretty elusive, the species, but I saw some drone footage of a pod of them, mm. and they're really amazing. They really do look like really big bottlenose dolphins. Because they prefer deep waters, they're not seen very often, so they're elusive. Mm. And it's believed that there are other beaked whale besides the Baird's beaked whale, that species that haven't even been discovered yet. Oh, that's cool. Stomach chambers. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I, I hope I answered your question, Malcolm. Perhaps one day humans will evolve enough to have a pizza compartment in their stomach. I hope so. <laughs> That was super interesting. I learned oh, a lot. Yeah, me too. I actually didn't even know that cows didn't have more than one stomach. Oh, yeah. It must be um, just a, a widely dispersed myth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you it, know. Was, it was very interesting. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah, me too. Do you have a book that you're reading that you're excited about today, Jill? I just finished this book today. And I, you know, I think I told you that I wasn't going to bring any more books from our youth core collection, but guess what? The you, youth, you did say that. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, Don't be sorry. It's fine. I, uh, I'm trying to read through them all and it, we just got new titles in our core collection. So I have, to, I have to read the ones I haven't read yet. Sure. I checked them all out. They're in a giant bag at my house. <laughs> and they're all shiny and new. It's exciting. I think that's really the best part. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so I started, I think, three of them at once, which is probably a bad <laughs> choice. And I had started this one that I'm going to talk about today. And then 
I decided to listen to it and it was only an hour. It's a very small, it's, it's much shorter than most books I recommend here. It's in our uh, JE section, our, our early chapter books. It's called Zoe and Sassafras, Dragons and Marshmallows. It's the first in the series about Zoe and Sassafras. And I, hadn't, I had no idea about it. I didn't know anything about it. I know that it's popular. Lots of people ask about it. Yeah, it's it's really great. Oh, good. Um, so I listened to it really quickly. Like I said, the whole audiobook was only an hour, and I loved it. I really loved it. It has all the elements that I love in books. A little bit of magic, and I <laughs> I didn't. I think I told you this when we came in, but I didn't expect that. I don't know why I didn't expect that because on the cover is a beautifully drawn dragon. <laughs> So I should have I expected. No, he looks like it. he's sneezing or something. He is. He's he's sick. He's ill. Yeah, okay. he's ill. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't know if I just thought it was. I don't know what I thought, but when it, we got into this book, listening to this book, and it's about Zoe and her cat, who's an orange cat called Sassafras. I love an orange cat. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's that. Um, she is playing outside with Sassafras, and she decides to go in and see her mom, who's getting ready to go away for a. A conference. Her mom is a scientist, and Zoe also wants to be a scientist. And her mom is always teaching her really cool things about doing experiments and looking at the world around you and trying not to understand science. There's a lot of really good science vocabulary in this book, and there's even a glossary in the back for some oh, of the things cool. that you're going to learn. I, I do love a glossary. <laughs> I do too. There's really good, really good uh, scientific thinking in here. And then her mom reveals to her that she's going away, and that Zoe's never known this before, but in the barn, her mom treats magical creatures. Oh, cool. It's so cool. And when that, when her mom told her this, I was like, oh, this is a book about magical creatures. Oh, that's why there's a dragon on the cover. Okay, that makes sense. That's it's all like, coming I got together. It. I got it. It shouldn't have been a surprise to me, so that's kind of embarrassing because it was kind of a surprise. But um, I loved it. Um, I loved that her mom trusts her to look after the magical creatures while she's gone at the science conference. And so Zoe goes the next day and there is a little baby dragon there. I bet it's cute. It's super cute. It's really (laughs) tiny and it seems like it's sick. Like you said, on the cover, it's, it's coughing. And so Zoe figures out, oh, I can't have this baby dragon somewhere where it's going to catch fire when it sneezes. And I have to figure out what's going out with the baby dragon. So she tries all different things to try and make the baby dragon feel well. And she's like scared because she's doing this all by herself while her mom is at a conference and her dad can't see the magical creatures. So he can't really help her. Like literally can't can't see them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I love that about this book because it suggests that there's magical creatures living out among us and some of us can see them and some of us can't. So I want to see a baby dragon. I do too. (laughs) I I just absolutely love this book. I loved how smart Zoe is. I love how she uses scientific method, the real scientific method to figure out about magical creatures. And she starts thinking about how a dragon is kind of like a reptile. And so she does research on reptiles and how to care for them real pet reptiles, and then just applies that to dragons. You will have to read this book for yourself to find out what happens with the dragon and if he gets better. I bet he does. It would be really sad if he didn't. <laughs> this is not a sad book. So oh, wonderful. Yes, it's really great. And I, I finished it very quickly. And then I went back and looked at the paper book because I have it. And then mm-hmm. I listened to it. And it has great pictures in it. In the, in the book, she writes in her journal. And so in the 
paper version, you can see her handwriting on her journal pages or like drawings she made. Like she gives him a bunch of food and so she draws what he likes to eat and what he doesn't like to eat. <laughs> um, and I'll give you a hint, he, he might like marshmallows oh, since it is yeah. indeed called Dragons and Marshmallows. Nice. But, it's it's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. It's definitely for younger readers, but it would be fun to listen to as a whole family because it's just silly and cute. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah. So what did you learn today, Liz? Oh, I, I jotted down some notes while you were reading. Me and, too. Um, I learned today that whistling is bad luck behind the scenes in a theater. I, I did not know that. And I will not whistle if I am ever in a production of any kind. That's good. Don't whistle. Okay. It's bad luck. Did you learn something today? I learned, yes, I wrote several things down. First, I learned the facts about the giraffes, mm-hmm. humming and grunting giraffes. That's just <laughs> fascinating. I love giraffes, so that was great facts. And then I also, well, I already told you this, but I, I can't believe I didn't know that cows don't actually have more than one stomach. And I also think it's really fascinating that ostriches run around with two pounds of rocks in their stomach. That's a lot. That's a lot. They are really big birds. They are. It helps you think about how big they are. Right. Because most birds don't even weigh two pounds. Right. They maybe have one tiny pebble in their tummy. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for that. Um, I guess that's it for us today. Thanks for all of your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world, too. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune in to the next episode where we answer more of your questions. A huge and special thanks to the KDL Marketing Department, KDL Programming Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you.